everybody, welcome back to the Spooky Greenlight. The Spooky Greenlight. We're going to officially change our name for the next week to yeah. <laughs> the Spooky Greenlight, because that's who we are. And we also, I am Jackson. I'm Lauren. And what do we do on this here fine podcast, Lauren? Well, since it's October, we read spooky <laughs> scripts and interview yes, the do. awesome people who wrote them. Uh, yes, generally short scripts, generally unproduced, new writers. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Yes. And for the month of October, we are doing some kind of spooky themed one. So this week, yes. we were very excited to bring you a spooky script. Yes. So it's The Lost Boys by Craig McInnes. A ver- I... I really we're, enjoyed this. Script. Yeah, we're big I fans say of this. Script. I say it most every week, but this one, it's very true. Really enjoyed this script. Yeah. Um. So I think y'all are gonna really enjoy it. It's like a, it's a like it's a zombie. It's zombie it's scary. It's a zombie script. Yeah. So um, it's a uh, very fun. If you went through, which most of you I'm sure did, listening to this, that zombie craze of the. Uh, early to mid 2010s then uh, this will be great for you yeah <laughs> what but, you walking know, dead fans will delight we also have lots of spooky detours yes, uh, no zombie lots. movies so well there is some nice no variety movies, you're right yeah. yeah um so yeah, but yeah just uh, real quick some housekeeping stuff off the yes. bat um if real you quick. haven't rated right. and review it reviewed us on itunes yes we would love that um pretty please tell us what you're gonna be for halloween yes oh that would be really good we'll definitely yeah read we'll that. definitely read them Oh, yes, because we'll still have one more episode before actual Halloween. Yes. We're recording this on the Tuesday before the Friday that this comes out. Yeah, a.k.a. the day before my birthday. Yes, that's another thing. If you really want to give Lauren a happy birthday, if you really want to tell her how much you love her, how much you enjoy her beautiful speaking voice filling your ears once to twice (laughs) a week, depending on if you listen to our other podcast, the Who Is That podcast, if you're fans of The Masked Singer. But if you love Lauren, (laughs) you will subscribe to us on Patreon. You will give us a rate and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, podcast you will tell a friend tell a friend about tell us a friend that yeah, would be nice no word, of ma- word of mouth is good so yeah. do no, that but for real for real we we would love it if you would you know follow us on social media whatever you want to do real, rate and real. review us on itunes it would yeah. really really help us out i agree and it's free yeah and then if you want to do something not free patreon's great too free money free <laughs> episodes yes exactly because that's what we do yeah we do it all right. Well, I think we're ready to move on to our detour segment. Not only are we ready, we must, because we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot, to, a talk lot to talk about. We've so, been watching lots of spooky stuff. Yes. The detour segment, what this is, we just talk about what we've consumed in the past week. Beep, beep. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Lauren started hysterically laughing before she did that, and I was like, what? I didn't say anything funny, and then she did the spooky beep, beep. So you're lucky it's your birthday soon. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But yes, so whether it be a movie, TV show, book, 10-year-old video game, whatever. Oh, man, I thought of another thing that I could add for this, but I'm, I'll probably we're wait, We're up to actually. seven things. Yeah. So, so yes, as Lauren said, we're up to seven things. We're not going to do seven full detours. We're going to do three full detours and then just a couple sentences on the other things that we watched. Yeah, but there yeah. is one, stay tuned, that we're going to do a ramble episode on Patreon yes. at the $1 level or above. So check it out. Yes, exactly. We'll get so, to it. Yeah, we'll get to that at the end. So what's the first the first one we have is a very quick one that we're going to do a detour. What do we yeah. have, Lauren? So we watched The Addams Family. It's the new animated movie yeah, from not just the a couple one. years ago. I think 2019 is when this one dropped. Yeah. Oh, wow. So last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Recent. Pretty stacked cast. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was a lot of fun. 
I enjoyed it as well. I also think, like, I, I know we talked about how, um, what was it? Vampires versus the Bronx is about gentrification. Yes. There were a lot of lines in this about, like, save our neighborhoods, get the Adams out, you know, like, sure. they're monsters. I guess similar And vibes. that made me think of racism. So that was interesting. <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> thinking of racism, racism on the brain. But yes, uh, <laughs> it's it's a good movie. If you like the Adams Family, if you like fun animation, fun animation yeah. style, you'll definitely enjoy it. It's a good yeah, one. Yeah, it's about being yourself. Yeah. Once again, I know we also say this a lot, but if you have kids, this is a great one to watch with the kids. Yeah. All right. So that's our brief, quick one. You can our tell next about one. the good old days when you watch The Addams Family in black and white on TV. Exactly. Precisely. So what's our next movie, Lauren? Twitches. This is our full, we're going to do a full detour on the Disney Channel Disney original, Channel original movie uh, from 2005. Starring Tia and Tamara Mowry. As we yeah, all know. I have the specs. I have the specs. Lauren has the specs. Okay, so uh, Twitches is a 2005 Disney Channel original movie based on the popular Twitches book series oh, published by Scholastic Press, which I did not know that there were books. So wow. that was pretty cool. Um, so basically, there are these two babies that are destined to, you know, save the fate of the witch world. They and live they in a magical are, realm, yeah. Yeah, and they are separated at... Sorry, that was my phone. Uh, I don't know if you <laughs> heard you? that. How dare you? <laughs> they were... Separated at birth for their own safety and sent to different families. Mm -hmm. They are in the same area. They grow up with, you know, kind of different backgrounds. One is definitely much wealthier than the other growing up. Um, (laughs) And then they eventually meet by chance, but also by fate. On their 21st birthday. On their 21st birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And then they then have to join together to save the wizarding world, the magical realm, and their own world, I guess, by extension. Yeah. So, so, yeah, lots th- of fun. This was your first time seeing this, correct, Lauren? This was my first time seeing Twitches. Which is I appalling. remember seeing like previews for it yeah. on Disney Channel. And, and, you know, like every year they would show it, and I just never got around mm-hmm. to seeing the whole thing. Yeah. I, there are parts of this movie that are like seared into my brain for some reason. It's not even a movie that I necessarily like loved as a kid. I just watching it again, I was like, oh my goodness, I remember exactly this. Just like specific shots. Um, It's a fun, it's another fun one. It's it really a really is. fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because with Disney Channel original movies, we don't see a lot of DCOMs that are centered around people that are 21. That is true. We see a lot that are about kids, teenagers, but not like, a young adult yeah which is a a a new perspective for sure yeah especially as young 20 somethings ourselves i was like wow that could have been us two years ago (laughs) it sure could have been it sure could have been uh what did you think of the cast i i mean i you know t and tamara i thought were awesome um i definitely want to watch twitches 2 t-o-o yes of course we'll have to do that yeah but you know i thought it was good um I'm just Wait, gonna... this is a, sorry. This is a random thing. So Karen Holness is in it, yes. and I saw her face, and I thought for a second that maybe she was the one who was in um, Haunted Mansion. But looking at oh, more no. of her pictures, it's not her. So never yeah. mind. Karen Holness playing which one of their moms? Yeah, I, I it's a, <laughs> it's Cameron's, Cameron's mom. mom. Yes, yeah. yes. So also want to point out Thantos. Yeah, Thantos. That's a character's name in this. Fantastic. This was I Marvel had come out with Thanos before this. Not the movies, of course, but in the comics. But yeah. I just love the name Thantos. 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 Uh, some, crazy. some funny parts for me. One of their so there are two of 
what would you call the people sort of looking over them throughout their lives? I don't know, like they're they're magical guardians. protectors. They're magical yeah. guardian angels, if you will. Two people sort of set who are living on Earth who are just watching over them, making sure they they're okay. Are okay. Yes. The <laughs> darkness isn't coming to get them. Yes. Well, and that so that's another thing I wanted to talk about. So there is this entity, the darkness, that we eventually find out, spoiler alert, that Thantos is controlling yes. in a way. He is part of the darkness. He is of the darkness. Once he, with a name like Thantos, it's hard not to be. You gotta be. But <laughs> it's just there were just some funny parts with it. Whereas pretty much everyone else can see the darkness just with their naked eye. Besides one of her magical protectors, besides one <laughs> like of the people who was a little pair of glasses, yeah, held up just like to like look around and it would be there through the glasses. And it's like, dude, everyone else can see this besides you. I don't know why you're having yeah. trouble. That is it. There's also he just also, some, some bad 2005 CGI. Oh, there's some the, the CGI is perfect in this movie. I would not want it to change. <laughs> it's great. And another part of that character that I was just speaking of, he goes from being like very competent at the beginning of the movie to being just like an absolute fool by the end of it. Yeah. So that's a fun character arc for yeah. him, I well, guess. Well, it's also, you know, our, our housemate Blake was saying that the two Guardians would be so funny if they were played by, like, <laughs> anyone else. <laughs> Just played by different actors. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they weren't, they were like, fine. that bad. They were fine. I guess. They were fine. Yeah. Overall... I can see the potential, though. Yeah. This is a great throwback once again, Great we're going to say it movie. again. If you got kids, watch it with them. Give them a little learning. Because if they're kids, they definitely didn't watch this when it originally came out. Oh, definitely not. And yes, this is on Disney they Plus, by alive, the way. Adam's crazy. Family is on Hulu. By the way, we failed yes. to mention that. And yes. this one's on Disney Plus. Yeah. So it's just it's just a classic Disney Channel original movie. If yeah. you haven't seen it, especially if you grew up in that era and haven't Spooky, seen it. but not scary. Exactly. Go for it. Watch it. It's a it's a it's a great Halloween watch. Yeah. For for a, a nice group of people. All right. So Alrighty. next we're gonna talk about uh, a movie that maybe not a lot of people have heard of because um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw it. Tall Man. Yes. So <laughs> Tall Man is I know this off the top of my head. This is gonna be one of our shorter ones. A 2011 film starring Jessica Biel. Who She's, I've met. Random thing. Uh, she did a thing. limited series called The Sinner. She starred in it, and I was an extra in the pilot. But I was, like, right behind her in one of the shots. Yeah. And yeah, um, she did say hi to me at one point when she swam by me and was like, oh, how are you doing? Yeah, it's cold. And yeah. I was like, yeah. Lauren has a close <laughs> personal relationship with Jessica Yeah, she's Beale. basically my best friend. Jessica, um, please come on the podcast to discuss. We'll talk about Tall Man for 45 minutes. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> and truthfully, I probably could. Talk about the sinner too. Yeah, well, yeah. But The Tall Man is a great movie if you want a movie to be nothing like what you expected it to be. <laughs> it's perfect for that. There are many twists and turns in this. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. Are they good twists and turns? Who's to say? Not me. I'm not going to say it. But there are many twists and turns. This one is... I think it's good to watch with a group of people, but it's it's not in the way you would think. It's not straight up like, oh, this is so, so bad it's good. Like you enjoy sort of making mm. fun of it, whatever, which we are going to talk about some that are like that. However, it is like, it's a genuinely decent movie. Like it's well shot. It's just the story. The plot is absolutely wild. Yeah. It is absolutely wild. I'm also still trying to parse out what I think of the message of the movie, because it definitely, it actually has a very strong moral message that hmm. it is saying. And I don't want to spoil it because once again, you're not going to think it has any message at all. And it does. So 
Tall Man is on Hulu, I believe, is where we watched it. It is just... Just just watch it. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Now watch I feel it. like I have to go back and watch it. I, like... I watched the beginning, but I had a little bit of wine, and then I was like, night. <laughs> that, did, that did happen to Lauren. <laughs> well, it, it would be great, actually, because you probably have no idea what I'm talking about when I'm telling you I it has no idea crazy twists. About. It just goes from a movie at the beginning of what you think it's going to be to something completely different. So if you like movies like that, that that's another reason why it's good in a group. If you like movies like that, it's perfect. Okay, I'm okay. done talking about Tall Man. Yeah, so next we have uh, another one that only Jackson watched. Um, yes, Unfriended Dark Web. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of me talking for a second. Yeah. Okay, Unfriended Dark Web. Let's get into a few specs. This is going to be a full detour. Unfriended Dark Web is a 2018 film written and directed by Steven Susco. Steven Susco? Steven Susco. Who did not do the other Unfriended movie. Yes, this is, yes, this is a sequel to 2015's Unfriended. However, it has absolutely nothing to do with... That original movie. None yeah. of the same cast, none of the same plot lines. Very different. I think the first one is supernatural, and this one is not. So oh. yeah. So very I different. Seen the first it's, one, to it's, be honest. It is the same in the first one that it takes that same sort of style of the only shots are from a computer screen. So it's basically like the, you see the characters through like FaceTime, Skype, etc. You see one character's screen, like his actual laptop screen, and that's how you view the movie. It's very similar to if you've seen 2018, I think as well, or 2017 Searching. With, okay. uh, it's a, another movie very similar like that. And what's it... This style of movie, I think, is going to become more and more prevalent, especially now, especially in COVID. Right. Because it's very <laughs> cheap to shoot. I think this movie had, like, a million-dollar budget. Oh, so wow. So it's, yeah, it's super easy to shoot. And they, they you know, there are some... Uh, there are some things that I get why it was a million dollars, but a movie like this could have been made with much less. So oh, yeah. I, I could certainly see this sort of style taking over. And some people don't like that style. It's kind of hard to get used to. I think if you're young and you've grown up around screens your whole life, it'll be like, eh, it's whatever, that's fine, it's sort of cool. Yeah. I, you know, so, some people might not like it. But the plot of this movie... A teen comes into possession of a new laptop and soon discovers that the previous owner is not only watching him, but will also do anything to get it back. So basically it follows this one guy and his group of friends. He stole this laptop technically, as you find out, and you sort of figure out by the beginning if you're if you're smart and you're keyed into onto specific little details. Um, he stole this laptop. He stole it from a hacker who is very into the dark web, the deep web, and with some very shady stuff, like kidnapping of people shady stuff. And so he finds this stuff, and then the person starts contacting him uh, through the computer that he now has, and it's like, give it back to me. And he's like, he's sketchy. I won't go too far into the plot, because that's most of what you need to know. It then goes from this to what you think might be a small sort of thing to there is an entire network of people who are now sort of controlling what this man and his friends can do and what they can see through their laptops they're watching him i liked this movie okay i did like this movie once again it's it's very much in that style so if you don't like the style it might not be for you but it is 
it's one of those that like you watch it and there are a bunch of little tiny details that you can pick up on plot wise and just visually with just the computer like screen itself. Exactly. Like yeah. Also, <laughs> if if you don't have good eyesight, this one not might not be great for you <laughs> because I know That's Will, true. our friend Will, who has glasses, he was like, what does that say on the screen? What does that notification say? He has me a couple times. So like, you know, might not be for you in that case. Maybe it would have been okay on like. You know, if you saw it in theaters. Maybe. Probably. Probably it would be it would be more clear. Probably not a movie to watch on your phone, though. Yeah, definitely not a movie to watch on your phone. Don't <laughs> do that. Um, the only thing I will say as sort of like a, that gave me pause, the hackers and this sort of cult of hackers, whatever you would call them, has essentially unlimited power. Like they can hmm. do they can control basically anything that's connected to any sort of Internet or Wi-Fi Pretty much instantly, whenever they want to, they can control but most things electronic. And it's like, or at least that have some sort of like, that are uh, uh, connected to the internet. Sure. And so you do have to suspend disbelief just a bit, but it's very good. Yeah. It's one of those that you're like, it's a psychological thriller. You're going to be thinking, like trying to think ahead, just like the characters are. Um, I thought it was good. I thought the acting was decent. Like it's very naturalistic okay. because it's like, you know, these, these, this group of friends just on like FaceTime essentially. Yeah. So I thought they did a very good job with that. I enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It makes you think, makes you really want to <laughs> put a password on everything that you have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's good. I like this movie. Cool. I think it's worth watching for sure. Cool. If you want to, you know, I don't know anything about hacking really, but um, if you want something that maybe is a little more realistic, I highly recommend the girl with the dragon tattoo oh, slash played with fire slash kick the hornet's nest books. Oh yeah. They're very good. Let's go. But not the rest of them, because the rest of them weren't written by the same author, because he died. We don't like those. Anyway. Yes. Um, okay, so moving on to our next one. This is another <laughs> short one. Yes. Uh, also, only Jackson. Yes. So I'll be quick on this one, too. The Night Before Halloween. Uh, yes. I actually, I am going to read the synopsis of this one, because it's ridiculous. <laughs> Give me one sec. The Night Before Halloween. Halloween. Ooh, this is a 2016 film. On the night before Halloween, 17-year-old Megan and her group of friends are conned into taking part in a prank that accidentally lends, lands their friend Beth in a coma. What? <laughs> what Megan and the others don't realize is that their new friend Kyle was intentionally trying to rid him... Oh, wait. Nah, I don't want to go all into all that. I'm just going to end with the that lands their friend in a coma. That's what we saw, which is what drew us into this movie. Now, I was talking about before about things that are perfect to watch with friends because it's so bad that it's good. This is that exactly. Uh. This is the epitome of that. It's great because it's, once again, it's a group of friends. I think the perfect movies that are like this involve like a group of people as opposed to just like one or two people. This is perfect for that. It is not necessarily a great film, but you mm. will have fun watching it if you allow yourself to have fun watching it. Okay. I think that's really all I need to say. Once okay. again, on the night before Halloween, 17-year-old Megan and her group of friends are conned into taking part in a prank that accidentally <laughs> lands their friend Beth in a coma. <laughs> if that doesn't get you. For a long time. I did see part of this movie. It's a, it's a long time that she's in a coma. 
for sure. Let me check and see what it's on. I want to say Netflix. Okay. I'm like, or Amazon. Nope, it was on Amazon. Amazon's doing this thing right now where they're basically just like letting you rent movies for like zero dollars. Like this was, oh. this isn't on Prime, but they're like, it was like, it was, originally was like three bucks and then I had it slashed down. It's like zero dollars and it's like, cool. Okay. So they have a bunch of these bad horror movies that you can Let's do that go. with. Highly recommend watching a Velocipastor That's on another Amazon good one. as well. That's we watched that before one. we started this podcast. So, so many recommendations have we have it. for you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So our last one, The Man Who Killed Hitler and then oh. The Bigfoot. Well, so this is technically... Oh, I we skipped have one. one. More. Yes. Oh, I skipped But one. let's go ahead and talk about that now. Let's just okay. knock it out. Yeah, so, so real we can quick. end on Halloween Wars. Oop. But yeah, so this is on Hulu starring Sam Elliott, written, directed, and produced by the same person, yes. and you can tell. <laughs> yes. Lauren and, I, Lauren and I had differing opinions on this movie. Yeah. I liked it more than she did, much more than she did, though there are parts <laughs> of this movie that make it much worse for me. That's weird, but you if you watch it, the Bigfoot stuff is... Mm. yeah mm. love it or hate it we can guarantee it is a wild ride it is a wild ride yes uh also it's not what you think it is no that, that's i thought it was going to be an actual comedy last, it is yeah. not our last note about that is this is a character study on sam elliott's character yeah and if if you like that you might like this movie if you don't want that out of a movie yeah. title the man who it killed honestly Hitler had Bigfoot, like some really good reviews which surprised me it had I, it had very good and very bad reviews which yes. i understand why oh i yeah <laughs> so yes it's it's interesting it's definitely an interesting watch you might be disappointed you might love it yeah. but you know you might still be thinking about it in a couple days which is <laughs> fun so yes that was the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot moving on to our last thing i definitely yes. skipped one on my list Halloween Wars. Halloween Wars. So it's Halloween so Wars is a Food Network show that um, started airing in 2011. Yes. Um, we watched <laughs> it on Hulu. Yes, and Hulu, it is on Hulu only has seasons three through eight. Correct. So we have seen season three. We've also seen the seasons one through seven recap, and are planning on watching season eight. Yes. But if you have cable, which we do not. Um, Highly recommend watching season 10 now airing of Halloween Wars on the Food Network. This is one that I'm actually most excited to talk about. I love this show, Lauren. I love (laughs) this show. It's a good time. It is the most stereotypical Food Network competition show ever. It's like very by the book. There's not really much special about it. Not really any surprises. Besides the fact that it's Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, so basically kind of the premise. There are... Five a teams few, of three. A few teams each yeah. season, yeah, of three people. One is a sugar worker, candy maker. One is a pumpkin carver. And yes. one is a cake maker and decorator. Correct. Th- those three people make up a team. And yes. Yeah, so each team has one of those people. Yes. Yeah. So all of those people have to come together to create Halloween displays from a specific prompt, a specific yeah. theme. Each episode, they have a small challenge, which they have like 45 minutes to do, and then a larger challenge, which they have... I thought in season three, it was like three hours, but then later they might have made it like five. I think it's between three and five, depending on the prompt. Okay. Yeah, from what we've seen. So, you're gonna... You know what you get with this show. Sort of like I said. It's exactly what we just said. it's, (laughs) It's that. But once again, if you like Halloween and you like cozy things that you could just throw on and be like, this is nice. This is just nice. It is. I'd also like to call out all sugar makers. What are they? 
In this context, they're essentially useless. Well, no, I will say in it's, this, it's always like the cake and the pumpkin that's sort of the main thing. And yes. then the sugar work is 99% of the time, just, like little details. Just very small like, details ooh, added this person's flair. wearing a necklace that's made out of sugar, exactly. and that's all I did for three hours. And like, you know what, Lauren? Not only are they the smallest part often, but often they're the thing that breaks. If the there is issue with like something breaking, it's most likely due to the sugar. That's fair. Well, I mean, to be fair, it is the most fragile. Yeah. It's very delicate. I'm sure it takes so much time and talent. I, I am sure to. Not to knock on them. I'm sure I, these people I make agree. all kinds of luxury candy and have all kinds yes. of money. Hopefully. Maybe not. I don't know. But on Halloween If Wars, they're willing to split 50 grand between three people for a reality show. useless. And not get any other money this whole time they're shooting, then yes. actually maybe they don't have a ton of money. Yeah, so that's the prize. $50,000. But so, again, split between three people, which is yeah. pretty low for a like a competition show. Also, this is the perfect show because <laughs> I'm, I'm from, I like this show a lot to this is the perfect show because there are only four episodes a season for the most part. I think more recent uh, seasons have had more. Well, the current season is on like episode six or something. Well, yeah, I think the, the more current ones have six to seven, but the ones we watched four episodes, four episodes a season, it's literally tidy. just for the month of October, Neat I think. And tidy. Yeah. Wrap that up in a bow slap some molding chocolate and rice treats on it carve it like <laughs> some a pop rocks yes so also <laughs> the cake people essentially only use three ingredients which like that's fine i guess molding but it's chocolate a, rice, rice treats, treats and fondant yes those are the three things and y- what we're probably saying now is nonsensical i'm sure it is just well watch and Halloween i i Wars. just want to say no it. matter what we say i I recognize it takes so much talent yes, for you to be able to absolutely. carve these pumpkins and decorate the cakes and make the sugar like yeah, this. No, it, it's it, literally insane. It takes years and probably a lifetime of work to dedicate yourself to this. So props to them. Yeah. I agree. Just in the context of the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also a lot of times, especially we notice in season three, all their guest judges are like these actors you would not recognize who were in like two horror movies. Yes. And then all they talk about when they judge is like, oh, say, well, when I oh, was in blah, blah, blah. When I was an actor. When I was in Friday when the 13th. I was in, except they weren't. If they were in Friday the 13th, it was like a very small role. Well, the guy was Jason. The one well, guy was Jason. That, that guy was good because he was kick puncher in Community. Oh, that's true. He was also kick puncher in Community. That guy was There's great. There's also one girl who him. had like a small role in one of the Halloween movies well, or something. Yeah, you yeah know. exactly. Nah. Whatever. It's fine. Anyway. It's, it's a fun, cozy show. Halloween yeah. Wars on Hulu. If you like competition, food competition shows, it's great. They don't do much eating. And like, it's very spoopy. They yes. have a small tasting element every, I think only the big challenge. It's the big challenge, yeah. Um, and there's one judge who just really likes Pop Rocks. She loves her some Pop Rocks, man. She's, She's like, like oh, there's some popping candy? Popping candy? Uh, uh, that really stood out for me, and it's just, she loves Every it. Every time. So good for you with your popping candy, Pop Rocks. Halloween Rice Wars. Rice treats. Hulu. Watch it. Food Network. Watch the current season. Catch up. It's great. We're jealous of you if you're watching we the are. current season. We are. But that's it. That's all we had. Okay. That's all we got. We wrapped that up in 25. Okay, that's not bad. That's I not bad we were at all. going to go way over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hope all that right. wasn't too nonsensical. But when we get back from this short musical interlude, we are going to be reading The, the Lost, Lost Boys, Boys by, by Craig, Craig McInnes. Bye-bye. Unison.
Hey everybody, welcome back to the green light. Green light. You have Jackson here. And Lauren. And back once again, we have Tristan. Tristan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Yay, we are glad absolutely. to have you back. Yeah, Tristan, a recurring guest, one of only... Two, well, besides all of our housemates, I guess. Well, yeah, all of our housemates have two, been on a good One day. of two outside guests who ha- we've had recurring, right? Because Ellie, Ellie's recurring. Oh, that's true. Ellie's been on multiple times. But as yeah. a writer. Our first recurring actor guest, I believe. Yeah. So, Tristan, in the Hall of Green Light, you, uh, you, are, you have a plaque there. So, it's uh, truly an honor. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you. We're happy to have you as well. Um, so today we will be reading The Lost Boys by Craig McInnes. Yeah. Uh, a nice spooky little script for you. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I am Jackson and I will be reading for Mikey. I am Tristan. I'll be reading for Billy. And I'm Lauren and I'll be reading Action Lines. And? So let's jump right in. And Rita. Oh, right. And Rita. And Rita. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, The Lost Boys, an original screenplay by Craig McInnes. Fade in, interior department store, hardware aisle, day. Billy, nine, bashes into a shelf. He scrambles to his feet and continues on as a haggard zombie gives chase. Billy is a fat kid, and he's fresh meat. (sighs) Why do I always have to be the bait? Billy wheezes but makes it to the end of the aisle takes a hard left. Mikey, 11, taller and leaner and also in rags, greets Billy with a big smile. Billy stops and hugs his knees, gulping air. Because you have big juicy tits. Mikey grabs Billy's tits, jiggles them, and laughs. The zombie hears Billy. His body lurches toward the noise. Hey, hey, cut it out! Mikey laughs, then lets go. (laughs) Billy blushes. The zombie turns and sees the two boys. He advances with a snarl and quicker pace. Billy gulps two inhaler blasts, his back to the approaching zombie. Do you think zombies like tits, Mikey? Mikey laughs, slaps Billy on the shoulder. (laughs) I haven't really thought about it, to be honest, Billy. They probably don't even know what tits are. Not anymore, at least. The zombie closes in. Get ready! The zombie growls. Mikey brandishes a blood-stained aluminum baseball bat across his back like a sword. He pulls it out arcing back and widens his stance. Let's play ball. Billy faces the zombie. He jiggles his cleavage. Hey, Reverend! Want some of this, you old perv? The zombie growls, lunges at Billy. Billy ducks. Mikey swings his bat full force into the zombie's face. It dings loudly, then crack, as the face caves in. The zombie twitches and drops onto Billy, who squeals like a girl. Mikey kicks the body off Billy, laughing. Don't be a baby. It's just a little- Billy scrambles to his feet. The zombie clutches at Mikey's ankles. Mikey swings his bat heavily down onto the zombie's head. Crunch. It smashes into chunks of dark, pulpy gore. Blood jets onto Mikey's face. He wipes it with his forearm with a grin. Blood? Freeze frame on Mikey. This is my hero, Mikey Dunowitz. He wasn't always my hero, though. Exterior, park, day, flashback. Billy is held arm-in-arm by two bullies. Mikey punches Billy in the stomach multiple times. Mikey has a black eye and is enraged. The frame freezes on Mikey once more. Tears and eyes, rage, sadness. We all heard stories about how his daddy hit him at night. And worse. But then, people started getting sick. And things changed forever. Fade to black. 
Fade in, interior Mikey's house, kitchen, day. Mikey scrambles through the kitchen, slamming the door behind him. He's panicked, sweaty. His face is all cut up. Mikey wedges a chair under the door and grabs a kitchen knife, clutching it tightly in front of him. Freeze frame. I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'll stop doing that. But for the record, Mikey never told me this. He just talks in his sleep sometimes, and I make the pictures up in my head. Frame continues. Crash. The kitchen door bulges. Behind it are snarls and moans. Interior outside kitchen door, day. Mikey's father, Mark, 40s, pounds the door with bloody fists. He drips with gore. Mark is freshly turned, freshly fed. He bashes the door, it creaks and cracks. Mikey sobs behind it. Stop it! I'm warning you! The door eventually splinters. Mark blasts through it, growling. Mikey swings the blade with all his might and stabs Mark through the eye. Crunch. The blade pops out of the back of his skull. Mark drops to his knees, twitching. Mikey sits next to the body, his head in his hands, crying. Fade to black. Fade in, exterior neighborhood, day. Various dirty children are chased by zombies in different directions. Bodies in the street, young and old. Zombies tear flesh from them. Crows caw and squabble over leftovers. It happened real fast. But it didn't affect kids. Well, I mean, you could still get eaten, but not sick. Only grown-ups got sick. Some kids said it was from outer space. Other kids said it was a chemical spill. You know, I think it was a germ or something. Maybe some, maybe somebody didn't wash their hands after using the bathroom or something like that. Interior, abandoned house, bathroom, day. A young girl of 12 sobs on the toilet. She's pale, sweaty. A shaky hand reaches for a drawer and grabs a tampon. She drops it suddenly. Her eyes roll back. She falls off the toilet and onto the floor in a spasm, then dies. Whatever it is, one thing is certain. When you start to go through the changes they talk about in school, that's when you turn. Her eyes shoot open, milky and lifeless. She is turned. The girl gets up and leaves the room, drags her underwear behind her. The teachers in school always ask, What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I always wanted to be a fireman. Exterior apartment, ground floor, mailbox, day. Flashback. Anyway, this is the story of how Mikey and I became friends. Well, sort of friends, anyway. And this was the first time I ever saw a deado. That's what I call him. I don't like the Z word. Billy sorts through mail, flyers, and bills. Behind him is a glass door, and Billy is not paying attention. Mrs. Jenkins, 60s, shuffles to the door, holds her dog in her hands, eats it like a pie. Her face is bloody, eyes milky white. She cocks her head at Billy when she sees him, drops her dog, fresh meat. Mrs. Jenkins advances, then bounces off the glass. Billy jumps and turns. She snarls at him. Her bloody hands squeak across the glass. Billy screams. He gazes at the dog on the ground. <sighs> what did you do to Princess? Mrs. Jenkins works the door handle. It's locked with a pin code. She raises her hand and enters it slowly. The door buzzes. Open sesame. Billy drops the mail, backs up, into a second door behind him. He sobs. <sighs> I, I'm sorry, Miss Jenkins. I didn't mean to stare. It was rude. Please, don't hurt me. Mrs. Jenkins growls and opens her mouth. Billy wets his pants. Crunch. The tip of a crowbar suddenly pops out of Mrs. Jenkins' mouth. She falls onto Billy, who squeals in terror. Mikey heaves Mrs. Jenkins off of Billy and pulls him up. Billy is covered in blood, but not his own. He cries. 
Quit being a pussy. It's just Miss Jenkins. Billy stares at Mrs. Jenkins in disbelief as Mikey yanks the crowbar out of her head. Mikey heads to the door. Is she gonna be okay? She's dead, stupid. Come on. Billy looks back at Mrs. Jenkins, then follows Mikey outside. Exterior apartment building, day. The streets are empty, besides Billy and Mikey. They walk down the road towards a bicycle on its side. Mikey does not look at the bodies around them, but Billy can't help but stare. He tugs at Mikey's shirt. Why did you kill her? What's going on? Why is everyone- Mikey turns on Billy and hits him in the stomach. Billy wheezes. He sobs and holds his belly. Shut up! They react to noise. If you keep flapping your fat face all the time, they'll hear us. Mikey arrives at his bike, putting it upright. He looks at Billy, still crying. He can see that Billy is scared and in pain. He sighs. I'm sorry I hit you, but please keep it down, okay? Billy sniffles, looks at the ground. Mikey puts his hand out. Billy flinches. Mikey puts his hand on Billy's shoulder. He sighs once more and tries his best to look sincere. Look, I'll make a deal with you. Do what I say when I say it, and you can tag along. Deal? Mikey puts his hand out to Billy. Billy looks at it hesitantly for a moment. He shakes it with a warm smile. Deal. But please no more punches to my belly, okay? My grandma says that's how you get Alzheimer's. Mikey smirks. That's ulcers, genius. Oh. Now come on, let's go. It's not safe out in the open. I have a place we can go. But we need to get you some wheels first. Exterior, abandoned house two. Day. Mikey uses a crowbar to unlatch a gate to the backyard of a house. A fat zombie stands dormant in the yard, his back facing them. A small bicycle rests by his feet. Mikey creeps into the yard, then waves Billy in. He motions for Billy to be silent. Billy nods, sees the zombie and gasps, holding his mouth closed. Mikey glares at him. The zombie does not hear. Mikey raises the crowbar and drives it through the zombie's head. It gurgles, then falls onto the bicycle. Mikey tries to budge him, but cannot. <sighs> Billy, get over here and help, will ya? Billy steps over sheepishly. They struggle to peel the fat body off the bike. Billy dry wretches. <clears throat> Mikey, I think this man pooped his pants. Gross! Mikey laughs. He pats the body on the belly. It lets out a fart. Billy snickers. <laughs> That's what happens when you die. You poop your pants. Billy stands and brushes his knees off. Mikey hands Billy the bicycle. Then how come when people die in movies, you don't see them pooping their pants? Because if they did that, no one would go to it. Would you pay to watch bad guys poop their pants? <laughs> if it was good, yeah. It'd be more realistic anyway. But <laughs> it would take some getting used to, that's for sure. I don't think that matters anymore. Nothing does. Mikey walks ahead with his crowbar, and Billy follows. Exterior highway, day. Mikey and Billy weave in and out of a sea of abandoned cars. So how come you didn't know what was going on outside? I was taking care of my mom. She was sick. She got a cold. Interior, Billy's apartment, day. Flashback. Billy does his homework in the kitchen happily whilst his mother, Rita, watches television through teary eyes. A depressed, pale anchor reports from behind a desk. The television news ticket reads, Outbreak of Unknown Plague. Bottles of whiskey and sleeping pills sit beside her on the couch. Rita is pale and feverish. She reaches out. Honey, come and give your mommy a kiss. 
Billy smiles and runs over to her. She hugs him tightly and sobs. Billy looks up at her. Why are you sad, Mommy? Rita sniffs, wipes her tears away. She does her best to smile and kisses Billy on the head. I need you to do me a favor, okay? Billy nods. His smile fades and turns to concern. Mommy, you look sick. Rita starts to cry and holds Billy tightly. She stares at the television, tears rolling down her cheeks. I think it's a cold, honey. Mommy, she needs to sleep for a while, okay? Billy nods and hugs her tightly. She shakes the bottle of sleeping pills into her mouth and crunches them, chases it with a slug of whiskey and shudders. She holds Billy by the face and kisses him. I love you so much, honey. Are you okay, Mom? You're being weird. Rita tries to keep it together. She sniffs and holds back tears, but they come nonetheless. She coughs. <coughs> I'm just sick, is all. A cold. Listen, honey, I'm going to have to go to sleep for a while. I need you to be the man around the house when I'm asleep, okay? Rita strokes Billy's face, smiling at him. She gets drowsy, her eyes slowly close. Billy puts a blanket on her. He kisses her forehead. Sleep tight. Exterior highway, day. Billy and Mikey weave through cars on the silent highway. My mom. Do you think she's okay? Mikey says nothing and pedals ahead. Billy has tears in his eyes as he follows. He sobs. Fade to black. Fade in, exterior Walmart, sunset. Mikey stares at his fort, a smile on his face. Billy pulls up beside him. The setting sun catches it just right. Here it is, Billy. This is my fort. Billy looks up at the building and smiles. <sighs> if there are no grown-ups, does that mean that building is full of free stuff? Yup. You wouldn't believe how much candy is in there. Billy fist pumps and chuckles. They ride towards it. Interior Walmart hardware department, day. Present. Freeze frame on Mikey wiping his brow. Mikey was great at killing Dedos. We were a team. I helped with cleanup and cooking because he said I wasn't big enough to take a Dedo down. That's what I called them. Dedos. The name stuck. Turns out that he didn't like the Z word either. We tested different ways to do it. Mikey said they were not people anymore, so it was okay. We did experiments to see what worked best. Exterior Walmart parking lot, day. A fat Dedo woman is ablaze and stumbles towards Billy. She eventually falls to her knees. Fire. Interior Walmart hardware department, day. A slim, older Dedo in coveralls lumbers after Billy. Mikey slams a shopping cart loaded up with batteries into the Dedo. He falls. Mikey puts jumper cables onto the Dedo's face. It crackles and pops, setting its hair on fire. Electricity. Interior Walmart outdoor department, day. And some more experimental ways. A young woman Dedo in running gear is duct taped to a chair by Billy. She snarls at him but cannot move. Mikey rams a fire hose down her throat then runs away. With a thumbs up from Mikey, Billy opens the water valve. Water makes her rotten belly swell, gurgle, and eventually burst. Billy and Mikey laugh and high five. More Dedos see them and they run back inside. We killed so many that I wasn't even scared anymore. And that's saying something. Fade to black. Fade in, exterior Walmart dumpster, day. 
A decapitated Deto is dragged to a pile of 30 bodies. Some are customers, some are employees. All dead. Crows hop around, caw and pluck at the rotten flesh. Billy and Mikey catch their breath. Flies buzz in the air and crickets chirp in the summer heat. Mikey wipes his brow and cracks a can of soda. Billy copies him. Man, I wish there were some girls around. Girls? What for? So we could fight him? Mikey laughs, drumming Billy on the shoulder as they walk back inside. Sure. Fight. Man, am I hungry. What's on the menu tonight? Corned beef, mashed potatoes, and gummy worms for dessert. Mikey leans on Billy and they walk inside together. Billy, you have outdone yourself once again. Billy smiles. Interior Walmart Hardware Department Camp, night. Mikey and Billy are both in a tent and are using a flashlight as a campfire. Sitting on their sleeping bags, they eat dessert. Man, I could eat like 5,000 gummy worms. I never get sick of them. Billy holds a worm high over his mouth and drops it in, munching it. Oh, I hear that. This one time, I had one that had all the flavors in it. Really? No way. Honest truth. I wish I never ate it, though, because people don't believe me. I believe you, Billy. Billy smiles, and Mikey smiles back. Growls and snarls can be heard from outside. The doors shake, and the chains on them rattle. Billy looks to the door. Don't worry about them getting in, Billy. She's locked up tight. This is our fort. No grown-ups or deados allowed. Mikey smiles at Billy, then yawns. <sighs> I'm tired. We best get to sleep. Good night, Billy. Mikey zips his sleeping bag up and turns onto his side. Billy zips his bag up and looks up at the ceiling. Mikey? Yeah? Thanks for saving me. Mikey sighs. You say that every night. Well, it's true. My mom always said, be thankful for what you have, and I am. Thanks for saving me, Mikey. Mikey smiles drowsily. You're welcome. Now go to sleep. <laughs> Fade to black. Fade in, interior Walmart, hardware department, day. Billy and Mikey eat cereal. Mikey is pale and silent. What's wrong, Mikey? Did you have a bad dream? Mikey shakes his head, says nothing. What is it, then? Mikey throws his cereal away. Milk spills everywhere. He starts to cry. Mikey grabs Billy by the collar. His rage and anger has returned. He shakes Billy. Promise me that when I die, you'll kill me. Promise me. I, I promise, Mikey. I, I, I promise. Swear. Swear on it or I'll- Mikey drops to the floor and spasms. His back arches and he lets out one last breath. Billy shakes him. Beats on him. Nothing. No. Mikey, no. Don't leave me alone. Not now. Billy hits Mikey in the chest. He twitches. Billy has hope in his eyes. Mikey? Mikey moans. <sighs> Say something. Mikey jumps up and snarls. He snatches at Billy. Billy sits on Mikey's chest. Stop it, Mikey. Stop messing around. Mikey won't stop. He screams and bucks. Billy sobs and looks at the blood-stained aluminum bat. He grabs it slowly. Raises it. For a brief moment, Mikey realizes what it is. He smiles ever so slightly. Billy brings it down. Cut to black. Fade in, exterior Walmart, dumpster, day. Billy drags Mikey's bloody corpse out to the pile. He pours gasoline onto it and sets it ablaze. Interior, Walmart shelves, day. Billy loads food into a backpack. He puts on new clothes from the kids' department. New shoes go on his feet. He packs some band-aids, Spongebob ones. 
Exterior highway, sunset. Billy looks at a Polaroid of him and Mikey, both smiling. He lifts the aluminum bat and sheaths it, then pedals away into the sunset. In school, the teachers always ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't want to grow up. Fade out. The end. everybody welcome back to the green light green light we are here with our writer of the week craig mckinnis craig how are you doing i'm, I'm doing well on yourself doing You're fantastic doing well, we yeah. can't complain one bit on this i guess i guess it's, it's pretty hot saturday yeah, evening here saturday. in los angeles yeah <laughs> where are you right now it's craig hot. by the way I'm, I'm in canada and it was we're in uh, alberta canada and it was about so minus 15 degrees Celsius today with the wind. Wow. Really? Two very different parts of the world. Yeah. <laughs> we and Craig are right now. Wow. Well, come on down anytime you want, Craig. Uh, we'll, sh- we'll show you around sunny Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. I could use a break for my kids. Yeah, that sounds great. That's five degrees Fahrenheit. Five sounds, degrees. sounds perfect. Yeah. All right, so let's just jump right into it. Um, so we always ask everyone this, but give us your writer origin story. How did you get started? I have to thank um, the terrible movie that was uh, A Good Day to Die Hard. Oh. I, it, sounds, it sounds obscure, but I, I, I watched it, and I was like, I could write better than this. And I sat down, and I I hammered out what I thought would be a fantastic sequel to Die Hard 4. And admittedly, now it's terrible, but I thought <laughs> it was amazing. When I did it, and I was just hooked at the medium. There's something so... Um, uh, pure about cramming that much narrative in that smallest space and I was just hooked. Yeah. So that's kinda where where it all started was, was Die Hard Die Hard Five, so thanks. I guess. <laughs> well, you know, Craig, we were going to do The Lost Boys this week, but now I think we kind of want to do your, your Die Hard sequel, there actually. You go. Oh, I'll be a cringe fest, but sure. <laughs> is, we actually, uh, this is a little off script, but we want your take. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Ooh, good question. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's the correct (laughs) answer, Craig. And if anyone tells you otherwise, they're incorrect. There's a big debate (laughs) in our house. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it helps. Actually, um, I took like a f- like two to three screenwriting classes in college, and we actually had the writer of Die Hard come in because he knew our screenwriting professor, and he also says that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So if huh. we're trusting him, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. But So Deb Stewart or... or- D'Souza. Uh, Jeb, Jeb Stewart. Yeah. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a cool thing. Um, but yeah, enough of, enough of Die Hard. Let's get to your script, The Lost Boys. Um, so this script uh, centers around two very young kids, nine and eleven, in the midst of an apocalypse. Some say close to now. Not quite as bad. <laughs> We're not in quite as bad as circumstances as there. But anyways, uh, so why did you choose to follow two characters that are so young? I wanted to do something different. I, I felt that the 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 Z word and the, the trope had been done with adults so often, but it tends to forget children, and they often have their own unique stories, and they're they're often struggling, and they have their own uh, 
they're 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 left in the middle of nowhere in, in all of this, and it's just an interesting perspective to see what they would do and how they would react to something like that, given that there's no adults left, or yeah. if they are, they're not very nice. <laughs> sure. So I, I personally have this theory that if you had have kids at like the center of your movie, my personal enjoyment of the movie heavily relies on whether the kids are A, written well, or like B, cast well, because some movies have just been ruined for me because I just did not like the kids at the, at the center of the film. Yeah. So like, how, yeah. yeah. So how did you write these characters to be so complex and interesting as young people? And then if you were to cast this film, what would you look for in kids? Or if you have like a dream cast of like kid actors uh, that are well known today who would you cast as the two kids oh man that's a fantastic question um i guess i would first answer the first part by saying that i'm i'm a big kid at heart and i can i, I speak from the the bullied kid perspective sadly when i was a boy so i got mm. that part down past <laughs> and i and obviously experience with with the aggressor of course i was with the antagonist and, and you try and figure out reasons why they're doing that to you and and uh, that's it always helps process it. Thankfully, we never got as bad as what they have it. But uh, as far as casting, I, you know, to be honest, I don't typically follow the the younger actors these days. I mean, I mean, it's just I wouldn't know where to start in terms of casting. I'm afraid. So, yeah, the only well, really... I mean, especially with kids that young, because I feel like most of the child actors I would think of are more in their teens. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find. Yeah, like, it'd be a very com- yeah exactly. Very yeah. complex. Yeah. yeah, and it's like the only kids I know, or at least I did know, were like the Stranger Things kids. That's what I was thinking. And they're too. like they're all like <laughs> old now. And the It kids, which yeah, are which have a lot of crossover with the Stranger Things kids. Exactly. <laughs> so so five years ago, Stranger Things kids would be fit fit right in in this one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I want to comment on one thing you said about how you you come from a bullied kids perspective. Perspective. And and first off, it's it's great that you're sort of sharing your story in such like a, a fun and unique way. But it's also like, you know, I don't know if I don't know if we we need stories of like, you know, it, I feel like it's more relatable to come from a bullied kid's perspective than it is for, to come from like, oh, I'm the popular kid and things are great for me. You know, people yeah. can't latch on to that. So I think it's awesome that you're 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 telling your story in this way because there are probably a lot more people that could relate to that. Yeah. Um, I, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so narration is very prominent in this script. Why did you choose to give us a VO from Billy's perspective, and how did you make it work so well? Um, well, VO, I guess you could call it, it's a cheat way of getting exposition in. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> again, because I, I, <laughs> like, uh, it was a short, you know, you, you're limited, so you got to really try and try and find ways to layer. So as far as as far as Billy, again, I've got the mind of a child at times, so I just kind of got in the zone and just and just uh, managed to find that inner child voice, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. and and his reactions were, you know, very similar to what I would have as a reaction even now. You know, beyond some of the more immature stuff, but but typically, like I said, I I was myself. Sure, <laughs> and it helped a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and. Sometimes narration can be, it's like, oh, here we go. Here's the exposition again. But I think if it's done well, it's also a great insight to, like, the characters themselves and getting a look inside their minds, which you don't often get in movies. And so I I think if you have good narration, it can, you know, um, exalt a film. But... uh, 
what's the word I'm thinking for? Uh, uplift a film in a way, as opposed to like tearing it down, which I think it does here because, yeah. you know, you, you get a lot of personal perspective of Billy. And once again, because it's from a different perspective, that of a kid, it really helps like, you know, sort of amplify that, if yeah. you will. Um, so yeah, so Mikey and Billy obviously had a strained relationship before this, but are brought together by this like world ending event. Uh, do you think their relationship is purely circumstantial or is the, or is there more there that maybe they would have been able to find if they would have had more time together pre apocalypse? (laughs) Uh, I, I love that question because it's true on, on, on both, on both, uh, both counts. I think that from the bully's perspective, there's a lot of social pressure into preying on children like that, um, Mm. that would make him be that way. And he's obviously an outlet for his frustrations and for his, his, his upbringing. So it's one of those things where he can kick, kick that kid in and, and, and vent, but at the same time wishes he didn't. So there's a bit of guilt there. So it's, it's kind of both. That's what makes it so interesting. A dynamic between the two is that he's tougher than Billy. But he also, you know, doesn't want to be alone. Absolutely. Doesn't want to admit it either. So. Yeah. So a follow-up, why have these two, you know, 9- and 11-year-old kids been able to survive this apocalypse? They just were in the right place at the right time. I, I didn't really, uh, I didn't want to be so contrived about it. But people often in, in times like that, they hit the road and, Countless shows and movies have shown the, like the migratory nature of people and the looting, but where it was set is in a smaller town, and and there isn't really that much to loot. So <laughs> everyone just kind of left and left, left and left. It was kind of like a Twilight Twilight Zone episode in that regard. Hmm. Everyone's just kind of gone. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, they were kind of just stuck with each other. <laughs> yeah. No, that that totally makes sense, and and I took it also in in a bit of a different direction. But um, I for me it was partially due to the fact that like both of them, even before this apocalypse, it really felt like they had to grow up very quickly. Obviously, Billy having to sort of take care of his mom, and then Mike Mikey's obviously strained relationship with his dad, sort of really having forcing them to face the harsh realities of life at such a young age. I thought that sort of also attributed to hey, maybe you know they're a little more used to dealing with. with with tough things, even though yeah. they are young. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, they, they certainly have their own. And uh, of course, uh, Mikey's treatment of Billy is going to toughen him up quicker, whether he knows it or not. He's still got that heart of gold, but it's got a bit of a callus around it now, for sure. Yeah, so, uh, totally. absolutely. They both have their crosses to bear. Yeah, I, I that actually really leads into our next question yeah. pretty nicely. Um, so there are like a few heart wrenching moments in here for me, and there's a part where uh, Billy's mom Rita obviously sort of overdoses on the pills in front of him, and then there's the ending where Mikey, you know, turns into a, a, a deado, and then Billy sort of has to take him out. Um, and you know, but despite these heavy moments, the script is pretty lighthearted overall, mostly due to Billy's narration and his personality. But Billy has never really had to kill a Deto before until he has to grow up super quickly and kill what had sort of become his best friend at the time. So if, yeah. hypothetically, if this story were to continue, do you think Billy would still remain like a lighthearted and fun narrator or would we see like a different character emerge after this? Uh, I think my idea would be if I was to flesh it out, I, I kind of had the idea of him meeting someone um, who was developmentally disabled and mm. that couldn't turn and that he would be with him. But I, I 
I feel that he would become and take take more of that mantle of of being like Mike Mikey, the person that he idolized and feared because of his strength and because of what he did to him, but how he helped him grow up so quickly in that situation and made him stronger, whether he he wanted it that way or not. And it's not like Mikey was doing it on purpose; it just was luck, and they they bonded over that tragedy. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of answered this question a little bit, but we were wondering, you know, after this, obviously he might find someone else to Mm -hmm. sort of travel with and survive with. But how long does Billy survive? You you don't have to answer, especially if you have if you have potential uh, potential things coming up. Yeah, exactly. No, no. Uh, So so Billy would survive until he hit puberty or found a way to not Hmm. get it. Right. So and that that's the sad thing about it is no matter how effective you are at surviving, it's gonna get you anyway. Right. The time gets everyone. And and like I said, that one uh, particular scene where um the the girl turns and just because she hits puberty and her body is now, you know, affected by the by the sickness and there's just no escaping it. However grim that is. Yeah. So the what would happen after would be the person you ever, you ever read the stand by stephen king i haven't i no. have not no there's a, there's a character in there who is you know he's he's immune to the virus but he's he's kind of on the spectrum but but uh he's often left to be the the last survivor of it all because nothing gets to him so when he's just kind of innocent so hmm. my plan would be to make that character the the star so to speak and he would go and save whoever he could and you know it would be grim, but yeah, the world is sure. a grim place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple things. One, my dad is probably screaming as he's listening to this because I didn't know a, a Stephen King novel. He's a big Stephen King fan. <laughs> but um, I guess if, if you could, sort of our last script question, uh, just based off what you were talking, do you have any plans to potentially expand this? To Do you have any plans to f- write this into a full script or anything like that? Or are these sort of just ideas that are budding in your mind? Um, I've I've always roadmapped it, but I've never really... Um, touched it in, in, a, in a long time and like I said I, I don't know if you would believe this or not but that was one of my I think that was my third script I've ever written was that one and I went from like I said I went from from Die Hard to getting knocked around on Reddit which is a fantastic <laughs> resource for any any writer who wants feedback yeah <laughs> sure whether it's it's mostly bad but but yes I, <laughs> I uh, that was my third script so I really haven't touched it in a, in a very long time um I guess the question would be, without you know making my ego any bigger, was do you think it has legs? I mean, what would, do you think I do you think I should expand on it, or is it is it just enough where it is to be, you know, just the perfect little short that makes you want more, but know that you don't want more because you know how it's going to end. <laughs> I mean, I think it works as a short. I could also see it working as a series or as a feature. I think yeah. whatever way you wanted to, because you know, there's. Obviously, there are these two characters, but there's also a whole world that exists outside of them that yeah. I would love to know more about. Yeah, and I, I, it, it's interesting too, right? Because I think this is a really well-contained story. Like, like I, I, I don't think you necessarily need 
uh, to to expand it per se, because like you said, it's it's very tight, and you do you are left wanting more at the end. You want to see more of Billy. You want to see more of this world. But you tell a good story in that, right? But I think it could be interesting as a as a series or something like that. If that's if you were interested in writing as much as a series or something, <laughs> but just because yeah, no, I like I wrote that, yeah, yeah, I, 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 list, I list the stuff. So it's not it's not out of the realms of impossibilities. But, yeah, uh, and, yeah. I, I think especially because you talked about introducing this other character who would eventually sort of take over. I think that's definitely more interesting as like a series or something like that. So yeah, I yeah. would I would be interested to watch it. I'd watch it for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um oh, and I did think I, I remembered who Billy reminded me of. Um Billy kind of reminds me of the kid in um Bad Santa. Have you seen Bad Santa? Oh yeah, Bad Santa. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I when I first read the script, that that was what first came to my mind. And see, that was a movie where I thought the kid was really good, and I really liked the kid. So mm-hmm. it, it just like enhanced the movie. But, anyways, yeah. uh, So those are all of our questions on the script. So well, now I we actually have one more thing oh, I wanted to ask. Just um, kidding. This is a very quick thing. I was just wondering, have you ever seen the show Daybreak? Oh, true. No, I haven't. No, oh, I have it's, not. It's a counter, so I have read the stand, and I haven't seen Daybreak, so I have some homework. So what's yeah. Daybreak? <laughs> well, so it's it's a series with a somewhat similar premise, where you know there are a lot of kids that the difference is that as opposed to being nine and eleven years old, they're oh, pretty much all teenagers. I it's on Netflix. Yeah, yes, right. yeah. yeah, it's on Netflix. But yeah, yeah, you know, they're dealing with their their teachers, their parents, who have become. Uh, basically zombies, and there are all these different cliques within the high school that sort of become cliques um, yeah. outside of that. So, you know, it's definitely different because there are a ton of characters as opposed to just seeing two of them. For sure. And they're, and they're different definitely ages older, and, too. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the disease definitely works a little bit differently. Definitely, um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty decent series. Matthew, Matthew Broderick, that's the guy yeah, in it, right? Broderick's yeah, Matthew Yeah, he's really good at it. He's actually, he's very funny. Um, but yeah, it's a good series. Uh, potentially could inspire you to uh, expand on this as well. There you go. <laughs> um, so now moving on to some personal questions, and by personal questions, we of course mean apocalypse themes question. Apocalypse themed okay. questions. Excuse me. I'm in. Okay, great. So first one: How long do you think you would survive in a horror movie? Oh man, I would. I would be one of the ones to make it to the end. I'm not ruthless, but. I, I have common sense. <laughs> so it's a weapon that people rarely use. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need. Well, I- exactly. And maybe exactly. some some quick legs, you know. <laughs> yeah, true, true. What do you what do you think, Lauren? How long do you think you would survive? It it definitely depends on the situation for me because I feel like especially if it was something like this where, you know, I knew as soon as I hit puberty, I was going to be a zombie and that would be it. I Truly, in a zombie situation, I feel like I would just kill myself. Hmm. You Do you think you would have that capacity <laughs> as like a young kid, though? I don't know if I would as a young kid. But, but like, I feel if like you were in, an adult in a zombie world. If I were an adult in a zombie world, I would probably be like, let me just take a gun to my head. That will be less painful than hmm. that's, <laughs> death by zombie. That's interesting. But see, I think my like survival instinct would be like, nope. Can't do that. I just I feel, know, like, I feel like I, I'd do okay. it just depends because I, I feel like it would be difficult to have a, a decent quality of life in an apocalypse no, situation. No, for, sure. for sure. Yeah. So, but you know, yeah, it definitely but depends the, the on the premise. The elastic nature of human beings, though, right? That's, uh, that's something that COVID has taught us is that we're very elastic, right? And no matter what comes our way, we can we can kind of flex around it and make the new normal. So, it would just be the new normal for whatever it was, whatever you know, whether it's Stakeland or Zombieland or, or whatever the case may be. You'd find a way to 
no, that's just, that's my regular Wednesday or, or whatever it is, right? <laughs> I guess that's true. I mean, the world's kind of ending right now and I'm exactly. still here. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think I'd, I was a decent runner in high school, but I was more of a sprinter for sure. But I think I'd do okay. In a, in, at least cardio, in a zombie scenario. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I shot I shot a gun once, and uh, I was pretty good aim wise. So there you go. Maybe I'd be fine. <laughs> there you go. All right. Speaking of guns, what would yes. be your weapon of choice in a, in a zombie apocalypse? Oh, I would have to just you know because I'm a diehard diehard fan. It would have to be uh, John McClane's Beretta nine millimeter. Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice. It's, it's, yeah, that's that would be the weapon for me. So it's. Uh, it's loud enough, light enough. You can find ammunition everywhere for it. You know, yeah. It's the, uh, a good, good, reasonable stopping power. Absolutely. You know, yeah. active, Especially so. if you're a good shot, you know. Like, you, you, you'd survive pretty well, <laughs> Yeah, I think. What about you, Lauren? Um, geez, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'd... <sighs> yeah, it's tough because you don't want something that's, like, super-duper loud. But I feel like I'd feel comfortable with, like, a forty-five. Hmm. Like a, a much bigger Holy one. Fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you, though, Lauren. I think see <laughs> yeah. I, No, but the Berettas are small. I have actually shot a Beretta and they're very they're very small. And, yeah. Well easy easy to carry, which is nice. And easy I guess. to hide too. Yeah. I think I especially if Lauren has a gun, and assuming <laughs> that we're doing this together, I think I would probably go for a more melee-type weapon. Okay. Uh, another thing I did in high school was play baseball. Ooh. So I think oh, I think uh, a baseball bat would be good for me. Um, you know, okay. once again, like you have a decent amount of range, you can get a lot of force behind it, et cetera, et cetera. That's fair. I think I could be nimble enough. <laughs> yeah, see, I just feel like I don't want to get close enough to him to use a baseball bat, you know? <laughs> That's fair. That's a very fair point. Uh, all right. Would you use aluminum or wood, though? Aluminum or wood? That's um, the question. Are you that much of a purist that you'd, you'd stick with wood? Or would you... I don't know. <laughs> See, I, I just... I feel like there's the, the, the longevity of aluminum might help me a little better than potentially wood. You know, and yeah. I, I... One of the first bats I ever used, actually, when I was really young, was a wood bat that my dad bought me. But, you know, throughout high school, you have to use aluminum and stuff, pretty much. So, I, I that's what I got used to. And, yeah, I think the... The power. They definitely the, hold up longer. That's for what sure. I. That's what I think. But I like the idea of a wood bat. If you have a wooden bat, you could throw like some spikes on the end of it, make it super cool. Oh yeah, exactly. Nails. Exactly. Yeah. Complete days gone. Yeah. That's yeah. true. So maybe that's I'd have both. Good. Both in my arsenal. Okay. Just like a du- dual wield <laughs> baseball bats. Um, so uh, where is the place that you would try to hide out? Whether it be a specific part of the country or um, a specific like you know store Type or something of place like that. Or yeah. Um, I, you know what? The Walmarts, the Canadian Tires, a store like that. Uh, lots of lots of room in the ceiling. Uh, lots of room up high. You know, you'd want to find. You know, Obi Wan would say the high ground. Hmm. You want to find the high ground because that's where you have the best advantage. Definitely, know, and I mean, yeah, store. lots of resources. If you only have a couple people, you can live on a Walmart for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And exactly. you know the 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 kids in Daybreak. Part, part of their hideout is a mall. And while I like that idea because there's so many different spots, there's just so many different entrances too that I feel uh, like would be really true. hard to to control. So I well, like the Walmart idea for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what would be your go-to apocalypse meal? Assuming you have access to a Walmart, you know, a lot of foods in there, maybe just not a lot of ways to cook it. 
Well, I routinely eat baked beans right out of the can, so I would be fine. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I use an old school can opener as well because I, I wanted to learn how to do it. And, of course, the Internet is fantastic at telling you what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> so I use the old, the old like a knife, like a Swiss Army knife can opener. I'll pop a, pop a can open and, and practice. So I'm, I'm already prepared. I'm ready Perfect. to go. I just need to Awesome. Big beans and a Swiss Army knife, and I'm good to go. Well, Very perfect. Nice. You there know, you we go. had um, one of our former guests on the show is this guy who Jackson went to college with, uh, Michael, and mm. he, for like two months or something. I don't like, know if it was two months. It was a, it, it was, was too long for someone to eat nothing but beans. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> he, I, I can't even remember why he did it. At one point, I, he was, was like, "Yeah, I feel kind of weird. Maybe I should go to the doctor." And he, and then someone was like, "Oh, well, why?" And he was like, "Well, it might be because I've eaten nothing but beans for yeah. like a month." Well, I, well, I think I, yeah, I think I remember what it was. He was um, his like meal plan ran out, and he still had like a oh. month left of classes. And he was like, instead of getting other food, he'll just eat beans because he does love beans. To be fair, he does love beans. Still but though, still not too much. <laughs> Ill advised, I would say. If you if you can. Any things yeah, besides 100%. beans, you should probably yeah, so eat things I, okay, besides. I would say beans and multivitamins would be the two things. There you go, there perfect. You go. The, a perfectly balanced diet: beans yeah. and multivitamins. <laughs> um, I, the, the thing that came to mind, and I think the biggest problem would be like cooking the ground beef. But huh. you know those little uh, there's like tacos in a bag or whatever. I don't know what they're Walk called. Walking tacos. Walking tacos. Yeah, those I feel like would be good. Have Just because they're of those? mobile. They're an American How abomination. Yeah, that's how a, would you refrigerate the meat? You'd get like food poisoning in like a couple of days. You know, the that's also a good point. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I guess the, my thought was the portability aspect, but I also didn't think about the keeping the food fresh aspect. Well, to be so. fair though, if you're at a Walmart, I mean, now I guess we probably have to assume that at some point the power is going to get shut yeah, off. Yeah. So there's that. The first couple of days while the power is still that's on. That's true. I was thinking, I oh, <laughs> well, there's a frozen food section. There's yeah, a fridge, you, but you no, there's not. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, okay, where are we? Oh, I think we have one final question. This one's a bit of a morality question, so kind of kind of getting a little deep. So, you are holed up in your perfect Walmart, etc., you know, with your family. You have food, you have water, plenty of security. You're great. But, one day a small group of people wander up to your place in dire need of a place of shelter. Do you let them in? And potentially, you know, we've seen plenty of zombie movies, TV shows where letting people in goes poorly. Either one of them is infected or they try to take over, etc. Or do you refuse them shelter, possibly sentencing them to death out in the zombie-filled world? Uh, you let them in. No questions. Um, you could you could set up a, a quarantine zone for them to check out, hmm. you know, and see if they were okay. And then you could let them in. There's plenty of food. Right? Yeah. There's plenty of food resources. And then you have someone else to talk to. Diversity. Diversity is key. That's true. You know, yeah. you can't be talking about the world without, without diversity. Yeah. yeah, maybe stick them in the garden center for like 14 days, and then you can let them into the main store. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's used to quarantine now anyway. They'll be like, yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're like, that's easy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Whatever. I like that answer. I think, I you know, I've been jaded, of course, by... TV shows and things where it's like, no, don't let them in. No, they're going to kill you. But, you know, I think by actual morality. I think in the moment I wouldn't be able like, to say no. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. like, like the, I feel like the more numbers you have in a situation like this, as long as you have enough resources, is helpful. You know, you have sure. more people to potentially, you know, hunt for resources if you need them. You have more people to, to rely Keep on, etc. Et exactly, exactly. So I think overall that's the smart answer. However, if I was a character on The Walking Dead, I may think twice. 
<laughs> they make the worst decisions. I, I, so yeah. the moral compass is terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've only watched, let's see, I think I watched the first five seasons of The Walking Dead, but I don't think I've watched anything after that. But I love the first five seasons. I stopped after season two, I think. Oh, it, really? it was in, It was Herschel's infinite shotgun at that standoff at the farm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, nope. That's it, you know. Yeah. Like Thirty rounds. Yeah. Exactly. That's part of why I like the the John Wick movies so much is that you know he actually has to reload and like strap a bunch of ammunition to him before he yeah. goes into a fight and stuff. You John know? Wick would yeah, probably. Yeah, he reloads softly too. He doesn't like you know when the breach goes back. He actually just he doesn't just put a new clip in and then pull the breach back for whatever reason. He actually waits for it to, the slide to come back and then puts the new magazine in. Exactly. You know, it, it's so annoying when they do that in movies. I'm like, why did you do that for? If there was one in the chamber, you just popped it out the side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think John Wick would probably do pretty well in a, a Oh, definitely. Yeah, I definitely. think he'd do Absolutely. fine. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, Craig, I think those are all the questions we have. This was a great. I could talk about zombie apocalypse scenarios all day, but this was yeah. a this was a fantastic <laughs> interview. Um, before we let you go, do you have anything you would like to plug? Anything coming up for you personally, professionally, anything like that that you'd like to share? Uh, no, I um, I I run a, a small little side gig editing scripts. I've been doing that for the last three years, but uh, I'm working on material in the background. I'm not gonna release what it is just yet uh, i'll be famous someday and you know <laughs> then we'll meet up again well <laughs> awesome. yeah hopefully us too so. yeah exactly <laughs> hopefully one day we'll meet again as the the the, the three famous people <laughs> so yeah craig I, I'm, on, I'm on reddit i'm on reddit and you know i work for a couple of companies as, as a reader so as well so well Nice. Fantastic. Alrighty. So if you want to contact Craig, whether to potentially produce his script, whether you just want to pick his brain about apocalyptic scenarios, <laughs> we will leave his email for you in the description. And I think that's it. I think that's it. Thank you so much. No, thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye, Craig. Bye. Bye-bye.